All right, welcome everybody to uh, opening day in Detroit, April 1st, 2021. It's back, baseball's back. Uh, we, I don't think we've ever needed opening day more than we needed this year. Uh, there's going to be fans in the stands at Comerica Park as the Tigers take on the Indians uh, for another season of full season of baseball in Detroit. 162 games, that sounds good. Um, it's going to be an interesting year, uh, not just on the baseball front, but on the uh, on the fan front, and we'll see how that shakes out. But I got with me Lynn Henning, who just got back home after a nice uh, little uh, little uh, stint in Lakeland. Lynn, how are you? Nice, Tony. And uh, yeah, I, I understand that it's uh, what thirty some degrees up there. I've still got the benefit here of the southern climate, so <laughs> I'm not uh, in, enduring. Uh, parkas and snowmobile suits here today but uh now spring training was good uh it's always good and as you said uh i think uh, everybody's psychological health needed it more this year than in any year i can remember and uh it, there was uh, a sense of restoration uh, down there uh, it's coming back this game for everybody um in bits and in, in fits and in spurts but uh, at least we're getting there and uh I don't know if the people are going to like the product much at the outset, but what I found uh, to be the theme of the column I wrote this morning uh, definitely holds up uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that is they're going to have an ugly start, but it's going to be an interesting season because of the infusion of kids. You can watch a Mize pitch. You can watch a Scooble pitch. You can see what the surprise uh, Akil Badu is going to do. Uh, do 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 <laughs> this guy's name is going to be all over the place uh, the jerseys and so forth is he going to come down to earth uh, probably because it's a big leaks but i want to tell you that kid uh, is really fun to watch all right well you covered everything i don't have any more questions so that should do it <laughs> <laughs> i kind of gave you the capsule didn't i but you know uh, back to that point tony uh, the reason they're going to start so miserably and and i think it's inevitable is they just don't have a lot of offense mm -hmm. and that outfield is exhibit a as i wrote in that column you can't put robbie grossman jacoby jones and victor reyes um out there and expect that you're going to score many runs you don't have any fence rattlers there right. and it's right. not just there their infield though is a bit stronger and i think it's going to get a lot sturdier once uh, Isaac Paredes shows he can hit at AAA and they'll be calling him up. And then you're going to have a big swap at midseason. In my estimation, that is as inevitable as the fact that this coming offseason, they're going to get very deeply and heavily involved in free agency. That's been the timetable all along. And I know Hinch got that promise. And so beginning this November, December, whenever, uh, you're going to see a billboard free agent or two uh, added to this roster. But uh, for the time being, it's going to be a tough spring for this team and, and maybe for the fans. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your column. You can check that out at DetroitNews.com um, for subscribers. So that reminds me, I have to make that plug once a podcast. Please subscribe, support local journalism. It's like a dollar for a thousand months or something. I, some ridiculous deal. I don't think that's exactly it, but it's a good deal. Check it out. Subscribe, support local journalism. Uh, but yeah, that was a good column. And it was, um, and, uh, and I agreed with almost all of it. And, and you made the point about how it's going to be kind of a miserable uh, beginning. And uh, I tend to agree. 
I've made this point in the past, though, that um, sometimes the bad teams can be entertaining um, to watch. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that, like you said, yes, they're going to be bad. Yes, they'll probably lose 90-plus games. Um, but you are going to see a full season in all likelihood of Casey Mize, of Tariq Skubal. Uh, you might see Matt Manning. You might see some of these young position players. And so from a fan's perspective, yes, you're not going to be booking your tickets to the World Series, but you will get to see glimpses of the future. And I've argued for a while that if you're not going to contend, um, it's, uh, that's the next best thing. We've seen too many Tiger teams in the past you know, 30 years, uh, you know, excluding the, the good teams. But, you know, when they were bad, there wasn't a lot of hope. <laughs> it was just yeah. kind of blah rosters. Um, you, you know, even in 2000, like 2003, four, you didn't see a lot of hope. It came on a little bit quicker. Um, now I think, you know, you're, you're seeing the foundation. Uh, and so I, I have all, I've long argued that that's, if you're not going to win, that's the next best thing is to, you know, be bad, but entertaining. Right. And I, and I think that they have a chance to, to be that this year. I think you're going to get to see a lot of the kids that we've always, that we've long wanted to see. No, they've got uh, some others that are going to be uh, pretty much, uh, as you say, uh, uh, waiting. But I think f for that, uh, or from that standpoint, I think, Tony, I think the minor leagues will probably be as much uh, in their interest as in watching the big league club. Uh, because at the various levels now, you're going to have stories going there, whether it's Torkelson at at West Michigan or Riley Green at Erie. And um, there's going to be Joey Wentz coming back from Tommy John. Uh, you, you've got, in addition to Manning and those guys, you've got a lot of those kinds of stories percolating on the farm. I think that for the hardcore fan probably will be as stimulating, if not more so than whatever goes on uh, with the big league club. But I also would keep an eye out again for what's going to happen on the trade front. They haven't had pieces, nor have they had a market in previous years, really to swing a big mid-season deal. They're going to have the pieces, and I think they'll have the market in July and August. And so I would get ready uh, for something of a blockbuster there, because uh, that's simply inevitable in my mind. Uh, interesting. We're already talking trade deadline. It's nine fifty eight, eight nine fifty eight on April first, and we're already <laughs> talking a trade deadline, uh, which is uh, which tells you all you need to know about what, how many games this team is going to win this year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. They definitely do have some pieces that uh, might be appealing. Um, it'll be interesting to see which pieces they designate as cornerstones and which ones they designate as expendable um as they move along but uh, I want to go back to this past off season though and I want to get your opinion and I think we have varying opinions on this I think we've both written varying columns on this um but they didn't make um they didn't make any big moves this off season they signed Robbie Grossman they signed Wilson Ramos they signed you know a couple other guys a couple of guys in the rotation uh Derek Holland could be a surprise but nothing nothing big I think you and I would both agree um, I'm just curious, do, um, why not Why not start this offseason with spending some money? And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, um, there were some bargains to be had because of the pandemic. So, yes, you have to put up a little money that you may not have at the moment because of ticket sales and all that. 
but you might get a bargain on the back end of the deal. And I think there were some bargains out there to be had as you look forward to contending in the next two or three years. Um, and, uh, and I also have argued long that if they plan to have a team that's wants to contend either next year or the year after, I've argued that the process for free agent signing had to start now as it did for the 2006 Tigers, which was a hybrid of your homegrown products and free agents. That process started in 04, 05, and then 06, they were contenders. So that's why I make the point that maybe they should have started this offseason with spending a little bit more money, getting some more cornerstones to that team. What do you think? I think you disagree if I read a column of yours correctly. Yeah, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't disagree with, with the philosophy. I, I disagree only with the, the practical options that they had. Uh, for instance, George Springer wanted to play in Detroit for A.J. Hinch. He wanted to sign with Detroit. Well, that sounds great, except George Springer is 31 years old and the Toronto Blue Jays signed him for $140 million. Uh, that's the kind of deal you don't make. Uh, the, the bargains, you know, they, they, there weren't that many in a year when, frankly, the market was rocked by how recklessly, quote unquote, the Mets and the Blue Jays in particular spent dollars when they didn't have any money. And they didn't have it for the reasons that we all know, that the pandemic just wiped out everybody. Now, you can say the Illiches, again, have Little Caesars pizza and they've got billions and you can do it. Yeah, that, that holds up. And unless the Illiches want to make their books known, that criticism is, is, is going to exist in the, in the minds of the fans. Here's the way I look at it, Tony. It, it's a big picture view. I've known for some time now that they were not going to be able to go real heavy until about this next autumn. That's because of all of the red ink they had to mop up after the splurge by Mike Illich from 2012 through 2016, when they should have been rebuilding. You've got business models that you do have to follow. We don't like to do those as, as followers. That's not our area of expertise, but business models do exist and they exist for 30 major league teams. Detroit's was not gonna permit any real investing until the point that they got a bunch of these kids up, then could begin to augment them with expenditures as they were cleaning up the red ink from all of those Victor Martinez and, and, and all the other deals that they made there, the, the Zimmermans and, 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 and all of those splurges that they made when they should have been tearing this team down and reconstructing. A.J. Hinch got that same assurance when he had his conversations with ownership in October. That's why he took the job. He knows that beginning this autumn, relative to this timetable, the arrival of the kids and a better situation on the economic side as you get the pandemic through and you get back to a, a legitimate baseball business model, they're going to get very powerfully involved in free agency again. I can't really criticize that time frame. I don't know what you could have done this past year, frankly, that was going to greatly change the complexion of this 2021 team. But beginning next fall, when you've brought some of those kids in, you begin to get a little more bedrock with youth. Now you can go at the free agent market the way that they did back uh, a decade and 15 years ago. So I, I don't quarrel with that, Tony. 
um, not because uh, any reason other than I think it's, it's, it probably is fair and practical. Well, I think it's fair and practical, but I don't think, you know, us sports writers are overly um, excellent in the practical field. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, we tend, you know, we tend to think <laughs> We're good at spending bit. other people's money. Uh, right, exactly. It's really easy to spend other people's money. Absolutely. As, as our expense reports would tell you. Um, but uh, I will say, I'm not, I wasn't saying that they signed to change the complexion of the 2021 team. I, I didn't, I, I don't, I don't think that that was reasonable at all. My point is I, I look at the model of, of, of Dombrowski and 03 or 04, you signed Pudge. 05, you signed Maglio, you trade for Gian, or I think that was 04 too. And 06, you signed Todd Jones and Kenny Rogers. And so it was kind of a three off season thing to kind of hybrid with your youth. And so my fear with what the Tigers plan is, is that the longer that they po- that they push back the becoming players in free agency, the longer this rebuild's going to last. Uh, because when this rebuild started, and you can argue whether it was 15 or 16, um, it should have been 14 or 15, obviously. Right. Um, we all agree on that. Uh, they definitely waited too long. But, uh, you know, when it started in 16, you know, I thought 2021, 2022 would be reasonable. That's five or six years. And now I fear if you, the longer you push this off, I mean, you're just pushing the, pushing the, the chance of contention off to, you know, you're looking at 20. I mean, I don't think you can really realistically see 2022 as a, a legit contender, maybe a team that play, wins 70 or 80 games. Um, but I just fear it pushes it off longer. And it's already been six, arguably seven years. If you go back to those deals, though, that you cited from 204 to, through, let's say, 206. Right. They were all run-of-the-mill deals with two exceptions, Pudge Rodriguez and Maglia Ordonez. And what made Pudge Rodriguez and Maglia Ordonez available to the Tigers? The fact that they had physical disabilities and they had no market for their talents. That enabled Mike Illich to go in and have his heart-to-hearts with them and take some appropriate risks with two potential Hall of Fame players, one of which is, is, is there in Maglio, who at the time actually had a shot. That kind of player, Tony, wasn't available this offseason. That kind of player, in fact, hasn't been available many offseasons. That was a case of a very magnanimous owner striking it rich with a market that was incredibly cooperative and almost unfathomably cooperative in that Pudge Rodriguez and Maglia Ordonez had no one else after them because of physical concerns. So I look at the other, the Kenny Rogers and the Fernando Vinas and the Todd, those are the kinds of deals the Tigers, in fact, haven't been opposed to making these, these past few years. They were not expensive deals. They were, they were, they were short-term contracts. Well, it's the same deal that you could put Robbie Grossman for Christ's sake in, in that same elevation, because that's about as serious as that acquisition was when they got Jones or Rogers. No, no, not, I, yeah. They, they were final pieces. They were final pieces. Well, uh, they, 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 but they, they weren't final pieces because Jones and, and Rogers signed before anybody even had, had frankly any serious notions of them going from where they had been to the world series in 06. They, they were, they were standard off season acquisitions. You're not going to see any opposition to that. 
you haven't really seen it. They, they've gotten, you know, CJ Crone and, and Mike Moore, they, all those guys washed out with, with knee injuries. We all know that the, the laundry list of people they've added here, Scope, uh, you, you can go on and on and on here. Uh, Wilson Ramos, I mean, they, they, it's not like you're opposed to doing those things. But if you're talking about a meaningful free agent, Tony, I'm talking about the difference makers, the, the, the war guys that are going to change your complexion. Those guys really haven't either been practically um, uh, something you could consider in Detroit or they haven't been available. This coming off season, they will definitely want to go after Trevor's story or Correa and they're going to have competition. These guys are not going to be sitting there with physical disabilities. They're going to be courted by a lot of teams and paid an enormous amount of money. Detroit will probably be bidding for them. But the difference is they're not going to be sitting there on the shelf with back ailments or, or with a knee problem that, that, that will reduce the amount of competition Detroit has to go up against. The thing Detroit can entice them with now, the, thing, the reason that Daryl Evans signed with the Tigers back in 83 is because he liked the Tigers' chances at that particular point. He was offered more money to go elsewhere, but he liked Detroit's chances. That's part of the components. In, in this whole thing too. You're gonna to have a little closer situation uh, evolving there that's gonna reflect that reality beginning this off season. I just look at, for, I mean, look, you mentioned George Springer, he would have played for AJ Hinch. He got a lot of money, uh, maybe out of the Tigers, you know, comfort level, I get that. But a guy like DJ LeMahieu, I think could have fit in Detroit. Um, a guy who, you know, would, like to, would have liked to play in Detroit. Um, and got a reasonable contract in New York. I just feel like you get one of those guys now, you get another one next offseason. I just think it's a progression and uh, toward contending. And, and that's that's my point. Um, and like I said, um, yeah, I get your point. It's economics. It's it's not my money. Uh, I get it's, it. It's not just economics, Tony. It's where, where your, your, your team is on the timeline of the rebuild. Well, and that's and, and that's my and thing. You and have I, to get that core nucleus of kids in there before right. you're going to get guys overly enthused to come and play for you. Anything other than an enormously high bid, and that that just isn't the way to 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 run your ball club. That gets back to why didn't they they sign Juan Gonzalez back in 2000? They just let him go. Well, guess what? If they'd signed Juan Gonzalez, you wouldn't have seen 206, and you wouldn't have seen a whole lot of other stuff afterwards. You well, they wanted be to sign, right? They wanted to sign. Well, they, they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. That, yeah. so, and, Thank and that God was, you didn't. <laughs> well, that's what the fans wanted at the time. You have to be very judicious with these things. It's not just check writing. No, I, I get it. It's, it's interesting uh, to see how this is going to play out. Um, I just – I think the other question fans have, and you say that they're going to get involved this offseason with a big blockbuster – uh, either this off season or at the trade deadline, no, it'll be, or, or both. It, no, it'll yeah, it'll it. I think you're going to see, uh, and and I'll, I've written it. I've I've staked uh, 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 an awful lot of projection on this. Hmm. You're going to see the blockbuster deal at at July or August. Why? Not because they didn't want to do this before, because they're going to have the pieces in a market that will probably cooperate and enable them to do that. I bet you right now. A, a tidy sum that that's going to happen. The same with the free agency. That's why Hinch signed on. He knew right. that beginning this fall, 
You've got the pandemic over. You've got the box office back. You've got the cleanup completed from the previous five years of largesse. You've got a business model now that will work and be sustained. And you've got kids coming. And that's why he wanted to sign on with the Tigers. Now, if they've duped him, he's got an opt out on this contract. He can get out of this thing. Mm -hmm. But they haven't duped him. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to spend this far. I don't know if they're going to get Trevor Story or Correa, but they're going to get a bat or two for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't know where you draw the lines uh, 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 on this in terms of how many or, or for what amount, but they're going to get very dramatically involved in the free agent market this offseason. I've known this for some years. I can't quarrel. In fact, it's the same outline I would have drawn up. Don't get yourself in the soup spending a bunch of money that is A, not going to make a big difference with your team, and B, has the potential to block some kids that you want to bring up and put into the everyday lineup and expect that they're going to perform. So, to do it this fall, to me, is simply common sense. Um, well, Asia Hinge came to Detroit because the White Sox decided to go the uh, <laughs> the octogenarian well, route. Well, yeah, but, but, he, but, he, but, but he, he had other options other than Detroit. Sure, sure. Of he, course. Liked, he liked yeah. this team. Right, of course. And he, he could have, you know, he could have gone a different direction. I get that. I think the um, – and, uh, and I believe they will spend. Um, I think the thing the, the fans are struggling with is they just don't know what to expect from Chris Illich. Uh, and it's fair because Chris Illich hasn't been in a position as owner yet to, you know, to spend because the team has been rebuilding since he's been the day-to-day guy. And so I think that's the, where the fans are struggling. They just, they're nervous because they have nothing to fall back on with him. They don't, they don't say, oh, yeah, he lived up to his word here, so we, we got to trust him. I think that's where the fans are struggling a little bit. No matter how many times you explain these things, it, 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 I realize it, 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 it can be hard to probably absorb or it can be hard to change dispositions. Had Chris Illich been the miser and the skin flint that he is projected or he is depicted as being, you would have not seen them run into a a luxury tax situation four years ago. He would have ordered an immediate fire sale. And that's a fire sale like Wayne Huizenga had in, in Miami. Get rid of everybody in all his contract. He said, no, I'm not going to get rid of contracts and players just to avoid the luxury tax, which a mid-market team is paying in 2017. That's nuts. He didn't order that. He said, let's play this thing out. Let's let this thing take its natural course. We're going to clean up the payroll here clean up the exorbitant contracts, and we're going to do this thing methodically with a rebuild here from the ground up. He committed to that. Now, if he doesn't spend this offseason, then my advice would be sell the club because you're not interested, frankly, in getting this thing better. You're just in this thing for uh, just just to be a steward. That's not going to work either. But again, Tony, unless there were a lot of lies told and unless there was a timetable that, that wasn't concrete, Hinch isn't taking this job. Mm-hmm. And I've been told a lot of lies too from, from people watching the books over there and from people who were always projecting 2021 here as, as the year when they probably could get extremely dynamic again in the free agent market. I think that's fair 
Mm -hmm. I can go along with that. If now, if they pull the rug out from everybody, then my orders would be uh, sell the club. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's the key. I think this this off season is big. Um, like I said, we just we just disagree. I think it should have been last off season. You think it should be this? It's not a big disagreement, uh, but it has to be at least this coming off season. I mean, you're going on seven years. Your kids are coming up. Uh, and if he doesn't, you know, yeah, you know, the good thing is he haven't he hasn't given any concrete thing. He never said in five years we're going to win the World Series like Sparky did back in 79. And, you know, yeah. he hasn't given any timetables like that. Uh, but he has said when the time is right, we will spend. Well, the time is is approaching. And and I, I agree with you. If he doesn't spend this offseason, there's going to be some uh some questions to answer uh because you're going to have the pieces um at least the young pieces to mesh with some free agent um you know free agent uh help and so i agree with you there but let's get on to this year's team is there anything exciting about this year's team i look at the roster i've looked around i agree with you i think the offense is pretty awful uh but i actually am intrigued by the pitching staff am i crazy yeah no no i agree with you Pitching staff, that's stronger. It's a stronger rotation. And as I wrote yesterday, frankly, if they had this bullpen. I read that. I could, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting comment. I like that. Oh, they, they, they've got arms in that bullpen, power arms they never had in 2013 yeah. when you wouldn't have gone into uh, Boston with this crew and uh, have had that eighth inning erupt and, and destroy Mike Gillich's uh, dream and World Series parade. And, and I'll, I'll be of a con that conviction forever. Uh, Soto, um, a, a kid like Brian Garcia can really thump. Derek Holland is really good. Uh, go fact, back to I, go back to Soto. Really, I mean, that's the best arm I've seen in the Tigers bullpen in decades. Oh, it, it's he's he's got a lot. To, like our uh, friendly left-hander with the Yankees, um, he, he he's really 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 good. And yeah. uh, I mean, you know, he, he's throwing strikes, but it's not just not just him. Uh, they've got power arms back there. I think, you know, the, their weak link is Buck Farmer. And he, he's not a terrible pitcher by any means, but Garcia can throw it. Cisneros can throw it. Uh, Derek Holland is the real deal. I'm intrigued uh, by it. I'm intrigued by him. I'm not going crazy on him like some people are, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Fulmer is, is probably set up uh, pretty good for relief role here. We'll see how that plays out, but his stuff plays up when you can really only be expected to do it for an inning or two innings. Now suddenly you get 94, 95 back on the fastball and, and he looks pretty good. He, plus with his temperament, I think he's really suited to that role. So I, I, I agree with you. I, I think their pitching is, is stronger. Um, I think the problem is going to be um, runs, but here's the, the one X factor in this whole thing is the kid Akil Badu. Uh, do you trust somebody of, of, uh, at 22 who hasn't played above a single A to come up here and suddenly be your magic potion? No, but did what we see during all of March every single day uh, prove very, very convincing about his skill set? Yes. Uh, he's going to have adaptations, and the first one will be 38 degrees against good big league pitching. So don't get uh, overly optimistic there. But day to day, they may have found one of those surprises that, frankly, the Detroit sports community 
uh, is entitled to have once uh, a, a generation or so. And I think he, he's, he's one of those surprises, potentially. I really do. I think he is going to be enormously fun to watch. At the very least, Tony, if he doesn't make it um, as a, an everyday guy this year, and the, the odds are against that, they have very likely banked an important skill person uh, that they can you know, stick in the minor leagues next year for a little more grooming. I mean, that's, that's the worst case scenario, but this kid is going to be with them all year long. And uh, I saw him hit you know, most of his five home runs down there in, uh, in, in Florida. And uh, he has a wickedly fast bat. He runs, he throws, he can play center field. You don't find a lot of talents like that, mm. but the alignment of the planets enabled him to not make the twins 40 man roster. Tommy John surgery being a big reason why he, he, he was sort of marginalized and the Tigers brought him in. And I think they may have made uh, quite a steal there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch to see if he's, uh, you know, if, if he can, I mean, obviously a huge jump from single a um, and they got to keep him on the roster. Um, we'll see if he's a Chris Shelton type who, you know, who impresses early yeah, got, and, and fizzles yeah. or, or whether he, he sticks around. No, the, the thing about him, and people do bring up Shelton, I understand why they would, because he fizzled. Chris Shelton could do one thing. He could hit, uh, yeah. And, and, and for a while he could hit. Um, mm-hmm. I do, you, you can have do a lot of different things, whether it's center field, run the bases, steal a base. Right. And, and that bat is a lot faster than Chris Shelton's. Boy, it was fun to watch Chris Shelton hit, though, early in 2006. Oh, it was. <laughs> phenomenal six weeks or so there it was and that that story kind of gets overlooked in 06 by all of the other surprises but uh, yeah that was yeah. that was phenomenal stuff but but this kid uh, I wouldn't sell him short uh, mm-hmm. he handled tough pitching all through March and uh, it's going to be some some days you're going to say oh boy but uh, there are going to be other days you're going to say, oh, boy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, that you know, this is a season where they can do that. I mean, they can – you can live with that this year because you know you know the reality of the situation. And and so guys are going to get their looks this year, and that's that's okay. Uh, back to the bullpen, I just want to mention really quick. Um, you mentioned uh, Fulmer, how he might actually be a fit in the bullpen. I've said for a while that Dana Norris would be a fit in the bullpen, and I'm intrigued that he's there. And mm-hmm. I, I know he wants to start, uh, but I, I, I believe with his mentality where he's not going 100 miles an hour all, at all times. And with that stuff from the left side, I, I believe that he could be a real weapon in there. I've said that for two or three years. So I'm intrigued to see him and Fulmer both back there. I just think they have arms. You know, you look around the majors for the last several years and every team the Tigers have played, everybody's bringing in one guy after another. Those 97 or above. And the Tigers' bullpen was not that. And now you're seeing the Tigers have put together a bullpen that uh, that kind of resembles that for once. And, and so yeah. that's, you know, I'm intrigued by the arms. And again, and not just, you know, obviously it starts for me with Casey Mize and Scooble. I'm thrilled to see what they can do. Uh, and people need to understand there are going to be bumps in the road. Um, yeah. You know, Justin Verlander had bumps in the road when he came up. Um, so let's just relax if Casey Mize gets rocked every now and then. Um, but uh, the arms are the arms are intriguing. Um, the offense, you know, and that brings me to just, you know, we talk about Manning and we talk about, you know, Wentz and we talk about these other pitchers that are on the horizon. 
what's on the horizon this year offensively in the minors? Is there anything? Uh, Paredes, um, I think he probably will spend uh, a fairly minimal amount of time at uh, AAA and then and get the call. And at that point, you can move him to second and maybe well, move here's a, here Here's one other thing. AAA doesn't start for a month. So yeah. uh, how does that affect things, too? Well, it, 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 it was not uh, necessarily implied that, that Paredes would be coming up by May 1st. I, I'm talking okay. about him maybe in the first uh, third of the season at some point, because I don't think it's going to take him, Tony, very long uh, to get heated up once those games begin in, in AAA. Riley Green uh, could conceivably make it up, too. Really? Uh, he's going to start at Erie. And uh, I don't know that he's going to have to be there for a whole year. Um, he's good. Yeah. He's real good. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of surprise you can get in a season like this, which is why I was suggesting that I think these kinds of evolutions are going to be more entertaining than really the on-the-field product uh, in, as far as wins and losses. Um, I'd be open to that. Uh, then I want to see what Torkelson does. Because once he uh, gets acclimated to back to his old routine, he hasn't played baseball in a year, really, in terms of a schedule or games. Uh, I think you're going to be uh, convinced why he was the first overall pick last year. Those kinds of players, it could be a Daniel Cabrera even uh, showing that uh, he, he's a little more mature than people thought and uh, moving rapidly. But at least the farm is going to give you some gestation periods to pay attention to in addition to what uh, we're going to be seeing in Detroit, which is not as going to be pretty, but oftentimes will be interesting. Yeah. I think the, in, the exciting thing, if you're a Tigers fan is that when you dip into the minor leagues, you're not just calling up someone who has a pulse, you know, that's not the bare minimum standard anymore. You're yeah. calling up someone who you think can actually to be a major leaguer, uh, That's a good you know, uh, because for, you know, for a while now it's been, this guy's on the DL. I mean, what warm body do you have in Toledo that can be yeah. here by five o'clock? I mean, that's been all, exactly. you know, so now at least there are the pieces that you can say, boom, this guy's going to get his shot. Now Torkelson's interesting, obviously a, a rough spring, you know, like you said, hasn't played in forever. Um, if he tears it up in single a and double a, you got to believe he's, you know, he's not, he's not going to be waiting long for that call. Agreed. I mean, he's a college age, you know, he's not, he's not Riley green, you know, I mean, who came out of high school and this kid's got, you know, he's got the pedigree already. So it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, baseball's back. Finally, there's going to be fans in the stands, 8,200 people um, in Comerica park, which will be uh, it's about how many people they had for the first ever opening day at, at Bennett park in, 19 whatever they had 8,000 or 10,000 depending on if you believe Wikipedia or baseball reference so <laughs> it'll be uh it'll be a shade to that the, the Tigers won that game I think by rallying with 10 runs in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Brewers so um we'll see if uh if there's any synergy on that front today um just last thing before we let you get back to your wonderful weather down south um win loss uh, what are you seeing give me a number and then I'll uh, go prices right and I'll uh Go a little bit above you or a little bit below you. <laughs> I got, uh, I, I, I'll say 69 wins, 93, 69 and 93. All right. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to go a little below that. I'll say 66. Well, 66, 96. And, but an entertaining 66. It, it won't, you know, it won't be like the ni- early 90s Tigers who were entertaining uh, because they had hitters, but there was no promise on the horizon. They'll be entertaining because there is promise on that. You know, there is a future here and we're starting to see it. Look, we can debate whether, you know, whether they should have started this offseason next up. My only thing is, is, is we're going on year seven ish or eight ish or six or seven ish now of the rebuild. So that's why I'm just a little concerned that when's it going to really pick up steam, you know, because that's a long time. You know, you usually look at rebuilds as five years, right? Is fair? Yeah, this one was always going to be longer, which is what we said at the outset, because the deconstruction ahead of the reconstruction was going to take as long as most rebuilding. Right. plans. It was just simply unique to the uh, enormously deep hole they had uh, af- after Mike died. And, and I, you saw that coming back in 2015. Uh, and that's why it was um, written then. People aren't going to like this. They didn't have any quarrel with uh, Prince Fielder. They didn't have any quarrel with Upton and with Zimmerman and all these signings when they took place. But I said, you're not going to like what this is going to do to the timetable because it's going to extend it. That's just yeah. baseball reality. I think a few people had quarrel with Zimmerman, um, but uh, I under, I get your point though. Uh, the well, Mike market, Illich yeah. ordered the best pitcher possible at that point on the right. market. That was yeah. the owner's order. And he was the best pitcher right. available on the market. And it was going to take a market price to get him mm-hmm. because they didn't want him signing elsewhere. Right. Um, and so I've, I've always viewed Tony, those important historical facts is important to the discussion and to any, in any kind of facts-based analysis of this wicked five or seven years, because it was going to inevitably lead to some misery here for a fan base and it was going to be prolonged. And I don't know that anything could have been done differently by frankly, a different owner, a different front office that would have changed dramatically the complexion of that rebuild even today. Well, the one thing, I, and Zimmerman essentially replaced Max Scherzer. The only thing I wonder is if they signed Max Scherzer instead of Zimmerman, how things would have been different. And, well, and they would have been in hindsight, but at, the, but at the outset, I thought they were nuts to offer a guy about 30, 145 million for five or six years. Now, Max Scherzer has been an exception to that rule in, in terms of free agent pitcher investment, but he also wanted to go free agency. He wanted free agency. He was a businessman who wanted to try sure. to get the open market to do something extremely gratifying for him beyond 145 million, which was an awful lot of stuff to turn down uh, at, at that particular stage in his career. I've never blamed the Tigers for that. And let's say they had gone up to 160 million or whatever it might have. And I don't know that you could have bought them out of free agency at that point. I don't think you could have. Uh, how much different would Max Scherzer have made over the last few years? I don't, I don't see it. Well, I just, I just wonder if that changes the trajectory of how they work, how they work the rebuild. It could have been one of those rebuild while reloading type things that you occasionally see. That's, that's my only question. I neither one of us knows um, I, I think that um, the only thing I didn't, and we're getting off topic, I get off topic a lot, but uh, quickly, the only thing I didn't like about that whole situation is that the Tigers kind of 
you know, put out that statement when he turned down the contract and there, there became this little bitterness between Illich and Dabrowski and Scherzer. And that's, that's the only thing I didn't like about that whole yeah, situation. I, I, I never saw it that way because I, I knew Max as a businessman and I knew how much he wanted to try free agency. Yeah. And I think that's, that's gotten lost in the picture. Right. Um, uh, well, the Tigers wanted, could have signed him in free agency though, too. Yeah. Well, he could have gone over $217 million at, at that point. And uh, I, again, it's fun to spend other people's money, but I, I, certainly wouldn't, I wouldn't have been making the, that kind of offer, not, a, not to a guy who then was about 30 years of age. Uh, right. All you have to do is look at uh, baseball's archives to see how many times those deals have blown up on other clubs. And it's been by far the majority of instances. So right. I'm glad yeah. for Max. I'm glad for the Washington Nationals. Uh, but uh, to say that the Tigers didn't, work earnestly to sign him. I think the offer that was agreed upon was there on the table um, proves that they did go after him pretty ambitiously more than I would have. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, do a couple uh, more quick things. One, um, we talked about the off season um, and how, uh, um, you know, they didn't make any big splashes yet for agent wise, but they did make one huge splash, AJ Hinch. Um, that was the logical choice. The minute garden hire announced he was retiring, um, it had to be Hinch. I mean, that was, had to be the number one target. And, um, I heard from a lot of fans, uh, some thrilled and some say the Tigers hired a cheater. Uh, I think that, I think that, um, that, uh, narrative is total BS. Um, look, I mean, he got the punishment of a year. He paid his punishment. Uh, it's not the Tigers' problem. The Tigers' focus this offseason had to be to go get the best manager possible, and that's exactly what they did. Um, along with Hinch comes a great coaching staff, um, intrigued by Chris Fetter, obviously the former U of M pitching coach who's been a hot commodity for years, uh, as well as a number of other guys on that staff. Great splash here. And, again, it just it, it's, the, it's the big move they had to make. Um, it just has to be followed by the 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 player personnel um, moves. That I mean, that's yeah. that's as simple as it is. I mean, this has this is a great move if it is the first of several moves. That's my point. We, we've done uh, we've seen a lot of self righteousness from a lot of fans uh, about Hinch, and uh, I've said to each and every one of them, "Fine, uh, please forward to me your expense accounts and your tax returns for the last five years." because I want to see how immaculate those are. That doesn't excuse what Hinch bought into. Uh, I think he got caught up in peer pressure and um, he, he did look the other way. And all you can do after something like that is express with real contrition how bad that decision was. He, unlike Jeff Liu now, unless, uh, unlike all the other guys that were caught up in that thing, has said, quite fervently, right from the get-go, beginning last January, a year ago last January, how sorry he was to have allowed that to overpower his better judgment. I can live with forgiveness for a person who expressed his sorrow for their sins, quote-unquote. And the idea that this was something heinous, that it was on the level of domestic abuse or, 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 or sexual harassment, or something else that to me would have been disqualifying, give me your explanation and your contrition for this particular time in history 
and let's see whether or not this is worthy of forgiveness. A.J. Hinch spoke in a way that, yes, I think he is to be forgiven. And if you get playing that self-righteousness game, uh, it's going to come back to haunt you in more ways than uh, hypocrisy. Uh, They've yeah. lost a good man and a good manager here to another club. And people in Detroit would have been saying, well, if you hadn't been so high and mighty with your judgments here, uh, you'd have had the right guy running this team all along. Well, they got the right guy running the team. His character is impeccable. His track record is impeccable. You know, if you want to use guys banging on a trash can as uh, uh, an, an absolutely unconditional, um, not to be forgiven sin, then um, I think shame on you. Yeah. My thing is, look, A.J. Hinch didn't cost the Tigers a World Series. <laughs> okay. This is the Tigers have to worry about themselves. And they went out and got the best manager possible. He didn't kill anybody. And look, the Tigers have stood by players over the years who've done some pretty, you know, awful things in their personal lives. Uh, And they've stood by them and the fans have applauded that. And so I just think it's very hypocritical for some fans to come out and say that, oh, they hired the cheater. And you know what? Look, what's done is done. He paid his, he paid his crime punishment, paid his year. Let's move on. You, um, you talk about the man in charge, the other man in charge, and really quickly, we'll wrap this up in short order, but really quickly, um, Alavila, uh, he got an extension a year or two ago. Um, I'm just curious where you see his standing with uh, with this franchise right now. Well, it, it, there's as much heat on him right now as it properly as there is on Chris Illich. you got to see some results here. Um, and, and I think, again, for me, it has come down to the fact that when this rebuild was finally seated, what's it presenting Detroit? You'll see that by next spring, by next spring camp. You'll see it both in terms of the people at spring camp and what they've got in the farm system. You'll see it in the trade that I, I think is definitely uh, in the cards for midseason. You'll see it in the free agency uh, judgment that they've exercised in the offseason but it wasn't going to be any kind of evaluative process that you could make before next spring. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's still in the stages of, of construction here. doesn't mean it's you, you give them a, a life term to do this. No, Tony, there is a shelf life on this. I would say by next year, if you don't see what was, ha- what, what has happened in the last seven years is having been important and essential to constructing the beginnings of a contender here, then you, you got to make changes. That that's, that's the way pro sports works. Baseball is too important to Detroit to give guys life appointments. You can't do it. But I was also being fair and saying this was going to be a seven year process. And pretty much that seven years is going to be on display. uh, I think at next spring's camp, then we can make a, a proper and full evaluation of the Avila years. If he's done a decent job, fine, we'll give him that credit. If uh, we're lining up here for something that still looks like it's a mess, then you've got to make changes. That's the way pro sports works. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't fault Avila with the, obviously the, the, the tough times that they've had. He hasn't had the checkbook for the most part at all that Dave Dombrowski has. And when you have 
an un, unlimited budget, you know, you can, you know, to your resume looks pretty good uh, as, you know, as Dombrowski has shown. Uh, what surprises me with Avila is that there's been very little return on the trades that they made four or five years ago. And uh, um, I think that that's, that's the knock on them right now. So I, I agree with you. I think this is an important well, year or two coming up. Yeah. yeah. Here's here. I'll just simply give a couple of examples there and why I think that that has to be analyzed very comprehensively. If you go back to the Verlander deal, Verlander was not being pursued foolishly by the other clubs. It took Hinch going to the owner a few hours before deadline to prod Jeff Luno into making that deal for Verlander. The Houston Astros were extremely upset in losing Franklin Perez, who had had no injury issues at all. Daz Cameron, Jake Rogers, they're, they're like a lot of guys. They might make it, they might not. But Franklin Perez was going to be a star. The Tigers made, in my estimation, a deal that I had never thought possible because there was no market for him, stupidly. And they, he had this big contract that the Astros took basically half of and still gave him three good prospects with Perez being the star. Perez ends up with a lap issue that following year and it hasn't gone away. That, that's not on the GM in my estimation at all. He had leverage in one of the few deals he's made with the Cubs when they sent Justin Upton in, or they sent Justin Wilson and Alex Avila to the Cubs. They got Jamer Candelario and Isaac Paredes. That's the only leverage Absolutely. deal yeah. he's had. Yeah. No, he didn't get anything for JD Martinez. Once again, there were no teams in the market for him. Incredibly, J.D. Martinez took Arizona to the playoffs single-handedly down the stretch that year. No other teams are bidding for J.D. Martinez. The market closed up. I don't blame Avila on that. When he's had a chance to make leverage deals, he's done fine. But you can't wish for a leverage market when none exists. And that's what's happened in baseball since 2017. It's going to be different. I would submit in July and August when, again, they're going to have a bunch of young players, a few of them that are going to be expendable enough to deal, and they're going to have a probably a cooperative market. Then presto change It's It's not magic. In fact, it's just a market condition. And when you've got a market condition, he can make a deal. He's, he's shown it, uh, it but it's, it's contingent on other teams being interested this nonsense about how they went and we're going to deal Boyd to the Yankees, but they priced them up. That's like a house you're selling, Tony. You, you know, put I, a, I you put a high number on it initially. It does not preclude counteroffers or right. subsequent conversations. So that, that's where I, I think this thing gets off the tracks. No, I think, you know, like the Cubs deal, I think it was obviously he got, he got, he got a couple of good pieces for, for Wilson and Avila. The, the knock on the J.D. Martinez trade is that he, he dealt him on July 18th. I mean, there was two weeks to go. And so there wasn't a market. Could a market have developed? That, that, I think that's the question no. there. But, but I'll, uh, tell yeah. okay. no, 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 but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, why, why it wasn't going to develop, because Arizona itself was walking away. And there, at that point, you've got absolutely no bidders at all. And that's why they made the deal then. Uh, Tony, people underestimate the fact that there was zero interest, believe it or not, in J.D. Martinez and in Justin Verlander uh, uh, at the trade deadline. 
And again, I, I just uh, uh, and explained because it's, it's really stupefying the idea that I know Hinch had to put pressure on the owner to get Lunau to make an 11 o'clock hour before the deadline deal for Verlander. That's yeah. how crazy and stupid and silly this market began to get in 2017. It, it doesn't mean the Tigers have been all that facile and things, but the market hasn't been there to make a deal except when there has been one. And then I think he's made pretty good deals. I think that's just, just the way it works in baseball. Um, I, I think it's just kind of a, you know, they uh, Tiger fans look at the deals Dombrowski made over the years and the steals made, and they're not seeing those now. And so I think that's where kind of the the argument comes in. But, I mean, you talk about no market for Verlander and how Hinch had to go to ownership. I mean, there was a team that probably wishes they would have gone to ownership that year in the Dodgers. The funny thing is, if the Dodgers would have acquired Verlander, they would have beaten the Astros in the World Series, if the Astros would have even got to the World yeah. Series. so. Uh, pretty crazy to think about. A couple of quick hitters here. Verlander, we talk about next season's the uh, time to spend. Is Verlander going to be a Tiger again? Yeah, I think I, I think, think yes. he is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I tweeted that a few weeks ago, and I was surprised to how surprised people were. But he, he's going to probably be ready to pitch next year. The Tigers will uh, want somebody of his uh, of of his. Uh, uh, standing uh, on that uh, rotation, even at age 39. And I think he makes uh, an absolute uh, common sense signing for them. And I think, of course, he's going to want to pitch for Detroit and he's going to want to pitch for A.J. Hinch. Yeah. Uh, I remember the day he, the day after he was traded, um, uh, I, I mean, you can guess who it would be, but uh, um, a Tigers uh, official close to Verlander told me, you know, just because we're trading him doesn't mean he's not going to be a Tiger again. And, That's uh, right. Uh, and uh, you, you can all figure out who's, who would say that. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he would speak in a deeper voice than I just did. And he'd be whatever, smoking a cigarette, probably. <laughs> so put two and two together. But, uh, um, uh, you know, and uh, it's coming to fruition uh, where, you know, he goes, wins his ring comes back um, when the team's ready to contend again. I think that's going to happen. I think it makes too much sense. Last one, your favorite opening day at, uh, at to either Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park. I don't think you were around for Navin Field or Bennett Park. but uh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I missed uh, Briggs Stadium, too, by, by a few years. but Barely, barely I, on I, that one, probably. Barely on that one. I think uh, 84 for sure because yeah. uh, Daryl Evans uh, taking his first swing as a Tigers free agent uh, amid that uh, giddiness that uh, was in the process of unfurling there in, in 84, taking that first swing as Dave Stewart and hitting a three run bomb into the upper deck and right. Um, that one, I think certainly Tony, because uh, it was already uh, becoming evident that that was going to be a charmed season. And, um, and, and that first inning alone uh, with Evans uh, hitting that, uh, monster into the seats that 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 was a pretty good tone setter for uh, the last magical year this baseball team has known uh, how many full. how many opening days have you been to then oh geez well remember too i was covering the ncaa basketball tournament some years when it was uh, overlapping and so but I, I, I probably i don't know tony an awful lot i didn't go in any in the 60s i wasn't uh, of course, working then, mm -hmm. 
uh, 70s, I started, uh, my first one as a journalist, I can tell you that was 1975. And that would, they got beat 10, nothing on that day. So if you're going to ask about memorables, <laughs> it was about like it is up there today, about 30 some degrees. And it was an open air press box at tiger stadium. Oh, that was right. a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> And they got beat 10 nothing. So um, those two uh, on both ends of the uh, spectrum stand out 75 and 84. So you've probably been to at least 30. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I went to, I think I had a streak of like 10 to 12, maybe a little bit more, but I haven't been the last two years. Uh, I didn't make the cut uh, this year for COVID reasons. So uh, hopefully be back next year, but there's nothing like opening day. I just love the, yeah. Love the lineups being announced and the players walking up, you know, being introduced and uh, the big flag and always yep. a great national anthem and flyovers. And yep. even if it's cold, it's, it's a beautiful day. So opening day, is, uh, like I said, uh, you know, opening day is always about hope and optimism. And this year, maybe more than ever for more reasons than just baseball. Um, just really quick house cleaning. Uh, be sure Lynn's going to be Lynn's retired allegedly, but still uh, produces massive amounts of copy for us. Uh, he wrote a great feature on Miguel Cabrera, who's approaching 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Check that out at DetroitNews.com. Um, and again, subscribe. There's great deals going on uh, at DetroitNews.com. Support local journalism. You can follow Lynn Henning on Twitter. He's a great follow, not just baseball, uh, but other stuff as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Tony Paul 1984. Lynn, it's been a pleasure talking baseball with you. It's uh, never wanted to talk baseball as much as I did today. Enjoy it as always, Tony. Thanks, buddy, for the conversation. And uh, I'll hit them straight for you this afternoon. <laughs> lucky you. Lucky you. All right, man. We'll catch up soon. Okay, Tony. Thanks.